Yo, oh. yo, we back. It's FCNS Forever Shot Never Shot podcast. Damn, I hate a shy bitch. And I have Brittany with me, aka your name, your Facebook name, your, your oh, Instagram. Brittany name. Marie. Yeah. Uh, you can bring it Brit. my Instagram. Yeah. Bring it Brad. At bring it B R I N G I T B R A T underscore. Uh, Black Girl Magic Therapy. You black girl magic. You're a therapist. I am. Telling these people what's wrong with them. I try telling to tell them what you, they need to do. I try to, to tell you what's right with you, too, though. I like that, though. Yeah, I got to validate so what's, it all. What, what's right with you, which will, you know, lead to better things. Not necessarily to say what's wrong with it, but what's right with it. Absolutely. Well, it's a lot of things that's wrong with a lot of people's childhood. <laughs> so, uh, this, this episode was going to be, like, week seven, but... Due to a lot of posts, uh, shout out to Terry, uh, shout out to Kia Smith, aka Kia Wrights. She made a post uh, dealing with childhood therapy. Um, I, I thought it'd be best if I pushed this up, and the fact that those posts did very well, a lot of people commented, a lot of people uh, participated on them. So just to bring it to the forefront and just talk about talk about it. Uh, I don't think we talked about it in depth um, a couple of times, especially with the different topics that I want to hit with you today, and with you being the therapist you know you can kind of connect the dots and and and, and and help people understand like you know some things that they probably need to work on and just you know Think be able about. to uh face mm-hmm. those things so let me go ahead and uh share the laugh everybody please share the laugh we starting let me go to the video so i can see what motherfuckers got to say a lot of people can't admit that they maybe need therapy what i think i found the most interesting about Terry's post is mm-hmm. there were so many people who have kind of learned to like laugh at their pain and they have like normalized what they went through like to the point where whenever we talk about the fact that like you know maybe we should stop mm-hmm. whooping kids there's always somebody that's like well I, I got my ass beaten I'm just fine but it's like are you really <laughs> exactly like well you know shit I got you I think uh, one of the biggest things is today's generation. Right. Like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people kind of throw shame on today's generation because the kids do seem a lot more sensitive mm-hmm. and uh, social media does affect them to a level where, uh, and, and rightfully so, social media affects them to a level where kids are a lot more depressed nowadays. Right. And not getting enough likes, not having enough friends on yes. social media. Yeah. And so I think nowadays kids do they see a lot of the problems up front more. Right. We can't necessarily say we was tougher. We just didn't have to face a lot of this shit. Exactly, and we were able to get away from stuff when we went home. Like, your bullies didn't follow you home. And now these kids who've grown up, like, we grew up in social media, in in technology really coming into its form, but they grew up in the era of social media where, like, you was, like, 10 asking, could you get a Facebook, you know? So, like, their experience and what they value um, is a lot different than what we kind of grew up valuing. And we can't necessarily blame them for that because a lot of it is wanting to relate to their peers, wanting to connect, wanting to be liked. Yeah, like, so the bullying follows them. You know, it, it, it follows them home. Whereas, you know, when you when we was younger, you know, you, you probably had somebody who picked picked on you at school but right. when you, you went home you was you, you was safe right exactly. exactly you didn't you didn't have to worry about it and now um 
it's like I said, as much as as much slack as they get, they definitely have their own set of b- battles that we need to mm-hmm. um, address. And I think we need to start by taking the connotation, the negative connotation around like being sensitive as something negative. Um, we all have different parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. so why why not be sensitive? That's also why the generation coming up beneath us seems to be a lot more socially. Um, a intelligent, more, a more emotionally a intelligent. More in like yeah. they, they, they are well. A lot of them are well beyond their years when it comes to certain concepts. Exactly. No, I definitely agree that uh, they are more aware. They are more socially aware. They are more upfront. You know, when we were younger, we kind of had like a we we kind of grew up with understandings and and words such as uh, uh, disrespecting. Uh, homosexuals saying faggot and things right. like that it wasn't it wasn't a world it was a worldwide issue but mm-hmm. we didn't know the severity of it right we wasn't educated on the severity of it whereas kids nowadays you know i got nieces that are 10 11 years old they wouldn't dare say that word exactly you know what i'm saying yeah. so it they are definitely more aware but i do think they also deal with a lot more pressure than we do um so when it comes to that childhood trauma, uh, I named today's episode being a product of your environment. A, a lot of times, usually uh, people usually take that as like, um, oh, you know, you're bad or, you know, you lived a rough neighborhood. So you turned out to be bad or, mm-hmm. you know, you lived in a great neighborhood. So you turned out to be good or, right. you know, privileged or things like that. But I more so say a product <laughs> of your environment as far as the things that you personally seen or dealt with or the things that uh were were specific to you mm-hmm. growing up um so there are uh, a few things to hit on as far as like childhood trauma so if anybody don't know first of all shed a lab but if anybody don't know this uh episode will be about childhood trauma and how it affects us as adults you know and moving forward how it affects us as adults so one of the one things i want to touch on is i know you're a therapist so what do you usually see like, what, what are some of the most common things you usually see from a childhood trauma that also carries on into adulthood? Yeah, so right now, um, a good chunk of my clients are dealing with parental issues. Like, they're adults, grown-ass people, mm-hmm. and um, they come to talk to me about the dysfunction that they have in their relationship with their parents. And a lot of us... Still to this day. Yes, to this mm-hmm. day, like where it's still very prevalent, where they're like, I need to figure out how to deal with them mm-hmm. because they do X, Y, Z, and um, it stresses me out. And then we talk about like, well, how long have they been this way? You know, so a lot of, we can start with the fact that a lot of people have um, attachment issues. And a lot of what we refer to as like mommy and daddy issues, your mm-hmm. parents could have been present in your life and you can still have mommy and daddy issues because maybe they were physically present, but they weren't emotionally present. There are so many people who have emotion who've had emotionally unavailable parents. Mm-hmm. So they seek that out in their in their partners. And they don't even understand like, why do I love people who like treat me like shit? Or why do I love people who um who don't reciprocate the same energy that I'm trying to give to them. And it's because your attachment as a child taught you that love looks like this will love unrequited, is. right? It, it's not reciprocated. It's you doing the work or you seeking, you know, so a lot of times if we didn't get validated or enough attention mm-hmm. um, in our childhood, in our adolescence, we just grow up seeking that in other people. And that, and that, and like you said, it has nothing to do with like, uh, 
the a popular phrase is daddy issues, like a girl with daddy issues. And I, the average person, including myself, will automatically assume is that's like, oh, her daddy won in her life. Right. Her daddy that, didn't show her. Right. That's the her connotation. Her daddy didn't live under her household. Right. You know, her daddy didn't live under her roof. Right. But you're basically saying like, no, like having those two parents there, that doesn't necessarily mean that there was love shown in the house. That doesn't necessarily mean that there was a, t- and, and, and of course, like, I'm pretty sure people would look at it. Well, if you didn't get hit or if they weren't calling you out your name or treating you then wrong, then you, bad. then it wasn't that bad. You and we good. say the same stuff about, uh, partner violence though. Like. Women will excuse a man's behavior mm-hmm. or vice versa because you're not being hit. But you're not being hit or you're not being cheated on. Right. Like, oh, you're a good saying, man because he don't cheat on me. Right. But there are still so many other components that are necessary in order for any type of relationship to work, no, a parental agreed. one or a romantic one, you know. Um, so when it comes down to it, it's like we joke about mommy and daddy issues, but like you can have them and still have a parent, you know. And I think a lot of us, um, especially millennials, the age bracket that we're in. And because we are caught in the middle of like still shedding some of those old generational patterns that mm-hmm. we were taught, but then still like learning to be progressive and like incorporate to what today's climate needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I noticed a lot of people seem to neglect the fact that uh, we, we have to repair these, these parts of ourselves. We can't. Um, she knows what she's talking about. A y'all. little bit. Like, <laughs> she, she knows what she's talking about. Like, we are in, the, we're the generation that's like relearning and realizing like what our parents really did wrong. I like that relearning. I'm, I'm, I like that. I know for myself, I've um, come to a place in my relationship with my father. Was they always there? supportive you know he's not the most emotional man but he he i can tell he tries sometimes Mm -hmm. he tries to connect with me in that way but there are things that i'm being able to look at when it comes to who he is as a man and how i feel about like do i know him the same way i know my mother Mm -hmm. i know parts of my mom's history like she's talked to me about that we've had those conversations he doesn't you know i don't know much about what made my dad to be the man that he is Mm -hmm. um and that's something I've, I'm 28 years old and I'm just coming to, to understand that like, damn, it's parts about him that I don't, I don't fully know. I don't grasp or I don't really understand why he is the way that he is. That's actually, I, I like that you mentioned it and I'm a, uh, I'm a touch up on it a little bit, but um, I think it shouldn't happen too early, but it also shouldn't happen too late. I think the issue is, I think the issue is, is that, a lot of people look at their parents as literally just parents yes. for a long, long time. time. And not as real people. And not as individuals. Yes. You don't realize who your mother is and who your father is as a person. Yes. As an individual. Unfortunately, I had an epiphany at like 10 years old. Mm. I think that was way too fucking young to yeah. be like, that's who the fuck my mama going to be. That's who my daddy going to be. Yeah. And I never look back. Uh-huh. So I think that's too young. Yeah. However... I do think it's important at some point to realize that because, you know, your your parents are your your heroes and things like that. You put them on a pedestal. You put them on a pedestal, but you don't understand the trauma that they may have went through. Exactly. Maybe your mother is very, is, she's the type that just doesn't show her emotions in that type of way. Maybe your father isn't a very vocal person. Um, And And the thing is, they all became that way because of how they were raised. So what I tell my clients a lot of the time is like, 
yes, you have the right to be upset at them, to be mm-hmm. frustrated at how you were raised, but you also have to remember that they are only a product of the generation before them. So you you have to you kind of got to walk through certain situations mm-hmm. with a little bit of grace and that allows you to relinquish some of that resentment or some of that anger that you have towards them cuz it's like now you're looking at them as a person who is a product of their parents or their family or their experiences or their circumstances exactly as an individual yeah so no i i definitely like i look seeing your parents as individuals as a man and as a woman and their their personalities right. just looking at them as their personalities it's not a reflection of them acting that way towards you that's just their personality yeah. that's who they are as a person so uh yeah I, I i i i came to that conclusion of who my mom was and who my dad was at a very young age but i would recommend that at some point it does need to happen maybe not too soon and also yeah. maybe not too late but uh at some point i definitely feel like it needs to happen um with the with parents, I feel like that is, like you say, that's you said that's the most common, right? Is it, yeah, you that's mean. that's the most common. Just just how your parents love you and your interaction with your parents, yeah, or um, lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Uh, what about um, shout out to uh, again Kia Smith? Shut a laugh, everybody. Everybody who's viewing right now, we got sixteen viewers. Shut a laugh. Uh, tell your friends to shut a laugh. Comment. Um. Kia Smith, a.k.a. Kia Rice, she had a post where she basically, in so many words, she said, hey, when I was young, when I was uh, 13 years old, I dealt with a very traumatic relationship, right. like like real full-blown relationship. Mm-hmm. And she said, moving forward, you know, the guy, he's married and he has his things going on and she's, you know, learned from when she was that young and the, the issues that she dealt with. How, like, when people go through something so real, so adult, at such a young age, shouldn't no fucking thirteen year old right. be? Shouldn't no thirteen year old be able to say I was in a problematic relationship? Right. You could probably think you got a boyfriend or whatever the case may be, or have mm-hmm. somebody that you like, but to be in a full blown serious relationship, yeah. like how do you think that would affect one uh, one's mentality? Just like moving forward, man and woman. I think sometimes we don't fully, we don't, as we start to get older, we don't walk in our relationships with our adult mind. We're walking in it with the, with our trauma mind. So usually whenever somebody deals with, goes through something traumatic, mm-hmm. that sector or their, that part of like their, their understanding can get stagnant at that age. So there are a lot of people who are walking around like with their, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old selves coming out in certain parts of their lives because they went through something that they haven't fully healed from. Damn. So you, you, so to, do, to go through something at such a young age, you're saying it kind of like programs a mentality almost? In like a way, like sometimes you get, your growth gets stunted in that area, you know? So it's not to say that you don't grow out of it, but... You have to, there's a lot of self-work that has to be done. And, like, a person like Kia who's dedicated a huge chunk of her life to, exactly. to self-work, you know, I can see how she's grown to be the woman that she is despite that experience. But so many times, like, when we are young, and especially when you are that young, you're still so impressionable and your partner is older than you, mm-hmm. 
there are things that you take from that experience, but then there are things that like you still you you won't understand until you start to get older, until you have more experiences where you realize like, yeah, that's that's not it. That's exactly. not what I'm supposed like, to be doing. Like exactly. you don't know that until it's like kids who get abused at home. A lot of times they grow up not knowing that what they went through was traumatic and abusive until they start hanging around their friends and their family. Realizing that shit and they like, normal. oh, they don't do that in their house. You know, exactly. so then that starts to click for them. But you don't you you don't know what you never had. So it, it takes a while for people to realize. Like, that's why I tell people, like, don't always judge people for what you see them going through, because mm-hmm. you don't know why they accept that. Very true. Very true. I, I was. Um, what do you think about like? So. Sex is everywhere now. Right. Se- sex is literally every fucking well. Um, it's impossible to keep it away from your kids. Uh, I'm, I'm an advocate of letting your kids understand what sex is and what it leads to and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the details around it, not at a young age, but at an early enough yeah. age. Um, what do you think about sex at a preteen age? Or like, you know, how do you, how you like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm the type that like, so I have five nieces, six. Mm-hmm. I got six nieces, right? And... They are very aware of when it comes to boys, right? I tell I, I, I go on drafts with them, so I call them my drafts. Mm-hmm. So I get my nieces, at least the ones that's old enough, the ones that's uh, from like 12 and up. I get them, we all get in the car, and we'll just drive around. And I tell them, talk. That's cute. Talk to them. I, I, but, you know, it's, and they, they'll reach out and be like, Uncle, it's time for a Boy, drive. Aww. Like, they, they'll reach out to me and be like, Uncle, like, we need a ride. And I, I'd be scared at first, like shit, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they, no, nah, you know, we just ain't talk. You know, we need a ride. So we'll go for a ride and I'll just ask, I'm like, like, who got a boyfriend? Like, mm-hmm. you know, who talking? Like, who, you know, what, what, what's going on? And I think that helps because at a young age, they, I like, I tell them that like, when you get older, people have sex. Hell, not even much older. older right. Exactly. I ain't saying when you my age, when you 30, I, mm-hmm. I ain't saying at that age, shit, y'all, y'all mama said y'all when, you, when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's, sex isn't a bad thing. Just be fucking responsible. Right. Don't be scared to come to us. Don't be scared to let us know that, oh, I like this little boy. Like mm-hmm. my uh, niece, she just went through a first breakup. She'll be alright. It it's valid. Dope. That's her first breakup. Aye, aye, aye. Whatever she feeling is valid. But like I told her, she, yeah, and she, she kept it real with me. She was like, I think he broke up with me because I wasn't giving him none. Like, she was like, I wasn't ready, and I think that's why he broke up with me, and he's sexually active. So I'm proud of her because of the simple yes. fact, not even just because of the fact that she uh, didn't have sex. If she would have had sex, I'm just happy that she ain't do it because his he ass did. wanted her to have right. sex. Right, So when it comes to sex and at such a young age, like, what do you think is, like, how's the right way to go about it? Like, I think it starts with just instilling young girls with what their worth is and making sure that they realize that their virginity is valuable. Mm -hmm. I know that that's what worked for me. Like my parents didn't talk to me about much sex, but about sex much, but I grew up feeling like my V card needed to be earned. Like that it wasn't, that it wasn't something that I was just gonna. Ain't no fresh ass nigga. Right. That I I was going to throw to, to whoever. Like I wanted that to be special and I wanted it to be somewhat significant with somebody I knew cared about me. Facts. Um, so I definitely had like my own liberals. Like 
you know, and people gave me shit about it. Like, oh, well, you think he not doing it or whatever? And it's like, well, I can't worry about that. But I was definitely the the teenager that was like, I need to be with somebody for at least a year before I think about giving them my virginity. Oh, okay. But again, I think that like. You have the checklist and the rules and right? shit. Right, because if it, again, like that was valuable. I, lo- I love you, but it's only week, it's only uh, month nine. Exactly. You got. Because I felt <laughs> like, I felt like wouldn't no little boy stay with me that long if all he wanted was sex. You get what I'm saying? So I think like a part of it starts with the self-esteem, the self-worth that we're instilling in these young women. You laughing. Somebody must be saying so, something loud. Uh, my niece, uh, shout out to Mimi, man. My niece. Uh, so I used to tell my nieces, they used to be like, uh, not my niece. Uh, this is like a, this is my little cousin, but mm-hmm. they were so much younger. They was like nieces. So she, uh, we all used to live together in the same household and i remember she said y'all tj told me to tell boys my name was science when uh <laughs> i was young so be like oh yeah can you have a boyfriend and i used to be like yeah you 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 got five boyfriends science, science math <laughs> social studies gym you know whatever fucking other subject you was taking so nah, yeah, that was funny i do remember that yeah but no but, i think it, it starts with like just them knowing their worth and what that means to them and also understanding that like withholding shows people's true colors. So I got grown women who are like, you know, I can't, I'm trying to have like more successful dating situations. And that's not to say that like you can't have sex, but like when you start letting people know what your expectations are for certain things, then they go ghost. And then you really get to see like what their, their real motivations are. So I think we have, it's, it's what you're doing as far as opening because the thing, a kid's not going to talk to you about sex if they feel like they can't talk to you about nothing else. So you want to start making sure you have rapport built with them prior because sex is, is the, that, the, that, big, that, the big that's, stuff. That's the, that's the, that's the big one. Exactly. I need to know that I, can, <laughs> that I can trust you and I can. And it's that's a, the big one, yeah, man. That's the that one everybody's scared of. Yeah, I need to know that there's a safe space for me to talk about the little boy that I'm crushing on or to at least tell you I'm thinking about having sex or mm-hmm. I might want to get on birth control. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be able to have these conversations before I can just, like, drop that on you. So for the teens in your life, for the kids in your life, you want to start providing a safe space for them to talk to you about whatever it is. So that way they trust to come to you and receive your guidance and know that like, it's just not going to be a huge lecture. Yeah. I I think it's important not to chastise them every time you talk to them. Don't get me wrong. I do the um, boys in the hood air swing. (laughs) When they tell me certain shit, like, oh, I yeah. like a little boy. I'll be, yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely do think that it's important. But so with girls, that's one thing. What about with little boys? Like, cause I, 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 I'm a, I'm guilty of raising my nephews different mm-hmm. than my nieces. Yeah, exactly. I kind of, I kind of, and not in a sense that I give my nephew that I'm more like, uh, free with my nephew or I tell them the wrong shit. I just don't talk to them as much. Cause I feel like, you know, you you a boy, so you gonna like girls. I don't really know. I don't know it's hard. You like need as it to like talk to them too. I talk to them but no, not not with the same niece. time. I'm just more scared for my nieces. I understand that, but again you you want these young men to start growing up understanding that there is value in them too. Mm-hmm. And to understand the importance of like building social interactions with women that like of, of a certain caliber, you know what I mean? Like you, those like are things that. that you want to teach them because there is no reason why so many of y'all men have baby mamas that y'all hate. And it's because y'all laying down with women who y'all don't know, who 
who you don't, you're not compatible with, like you're laying down with women and you don't know them, but then you're not thinking about the, the, the consequences or the repercussions of, of those actions. Like, nah, very true. and y'all, y'all are living that. So that's my thing. Like these boys need to understand that everybody don't deserve your, your package. You know what I mean? Like you need to teaching them very how true. to be selective, teaching them how to be safe and, also just reinforcing certain certain things around sex as far as like women are an equal participant. Enough men don't under haven't been brought up to understand that I like that. You need to go into this understanding if you do go there, like this is also about her. How are you gonna make her happy? Like if y'all gonna have those conversations we, these are the things we need to be teaching these young men, like how to making sure that they are being respectful to her body, to her con- consent. This I is like what that. we need to be talking to these young boys about. I done said all of this, and I'm realizing consent is the number one thing on the table that that's the first conversation, the, the very first, and understanding how to, to process peer pressure from their guys. You know what I mean? They may feel like they're not ready to have sex, but all their homeboys in their ear talking about, yeah, you this and you that. How do we teach them to be confident and strong enough to – do things on their own time and not feel so influenced by their friends. Facts. And uh, it was just, she kind of just, I feel like that was a shot at me. But uh, Yana just said, and other men are scared for their nieces because you're not talking to your nephews. Thank you. Yes, that's, that's right on the money. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Yana. She, she just, she just, she just definitely uh, made a, made a, a amazing point. Um, yeah, and I, I, I know I need to, now I have a nephew that I do talk to more, but he's older, mm-hmm. you know, he's older. So my younger nephews, I definitely probably could reach out more and it, it just at least talk to him about, I usually just take his ass to paintball mm-hmm. and leave it at that. But definitely having those different certain, conversations. Yeah, certain, certain conversations are, are so necessary. Like, what do you do if a girl changes her mind? Cause that happens. How do we teach mm-hmm. them to emotionally regulate and Pull themselves together when they think they about to get some and they don't. And be like, be like, that's cool. They they need to learn how to navigate those situations respectfully. You know what I mean? Learning no, how super, to take rejection. How many uh how many niggas in the uh that's watching the laugh? Shut a laugh, everybody, shut a laugh. How many niggas is watching the laugh that uh been in that situation where they was that close? Yeah. She got and she got that. No, no, you like it's all right. And there are so, some men who were never taught how to navigate that. Who's, and just ooh. how to understand that it, it's, it's not, she's not on that time. Or taking it personally or, mm-hmm. again, like that that situation goes wrong for so many women where they end up getting raped or taken advantage nah, of or man, assaulted. I understood for sure. I, I think I think you hit it on the head where you said just understanding that in that sense, in that moment, is about consent and not taking it personal and just right. understanding that. It's not it time happens. for that. Yeah, you'll it get, get some from somebody it, else. It, who yeah, wants yeah. It. It, it, it's not time for that, and that it definitely happens. So, uh, behind the mic, well, behind the camera, we got uh, brother Rosalind. You have you had a bird, birds and the bees talk? Did you have that talk, or how did, how did you learn about sex when you was younger? Uh, I'm, is my mic on? Yeah, your mic on. We can hear you. Okay, mm-hmm. we oh, okay. okay. Um, I learned about sex through porn. That's what I learned about sex from. Same. Yeah, I didn't have a and talk. See, and porn, it teaches you 
mechanics. It doesn't teach you emotional you mentality. Mechanics. It doesn't. It teaches yeah, it's, you it's, where it's, to what to put where where to lick where to position. Yeah. But it doesn't teach you about the emotional and mental components. Of Facts. Sex. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to get some head, eat it out, hit it from the back, bust on my face. Like that's how I, I tried everything. <laughs> on my first porn time. scenes go. And I was kind of treated. Be no hair. The and then I feel like y'all end up way. being disappointed because y'all not telling these young men how real, like you, they yeah. living off porn and not having yeah. realistic expectations for what real sex looks like. Yeah, right. I tweaked. I first time my head sex, I ate coochie. I did everything. I tried anal. Like <laughs> I was, I was just literally going off of what I saw. I used to sneak into my pop's room when he was at work, and I watch like his flicks, and I'm like, damn this. And then it was fucked up because you know it'd be all type of wild shit. Shout out to uh, black cheerleaders. Yeah. Uh, I love how sex seems to just come up all the time. No, no matter I'm just what saying, time. but it, it 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 was but it was bad though. I ain't understand like exactly. you know, it, it's a whole Somebody intimate should have talked the to intimacy. You. I didn't understand the, the in, intimacy exactly. part of it. And so yeah. I was disappointed when I was younger because you know, finding out that this is really not how it go. And some men never learn that's not how it goes. You got men yeah. in their thirties who Very are true. been doing the same moves. Uh, they whole life because hey, ain't they nobody broke, ever don't fix it. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think that uh, kind of like to tie what you said, like with childhood shit to uh, to your present day. Like you know, I just talked to my therapist about um, sex addiction, and we identified that my. I was, she put me on a sex fast because oh, she oh, felt oh, like oh, I was Shout out to a young black man going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to her for the sex fast. He's very, he's very yeah. proud of his therapist. I, I like I love my therapist. I can't believe I paid to talk to her. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically she put me on a sex fast because you know she felt like I was addicted to sex. And um we identified that the addiction came from me being the only child in the house by myself at like eleven years old, my parents not being around. And me going and finding porn in my dad's room and watching the porn. But the porn wasn't about sex. It was about me being lonely. So the porn was my companion. Mm. And then as I grew up and I went through experiences that I didn't want to deal with, like breakups, shit like that, I would go, now I don't need porn because I can get a real girl. Mm. So I would just sleep with different people, like back to back to back. When bored? myself. When bored, so to speak? Not even when, bo- nah, when dealing with, like, I go through a breakup with Over a chick. Over women. Uh, right, uh, people do that to, yeah, yeah, yeah. people so use like, sex the same way like that crazy. they use alcohol, weed, yeah, to feel voice, to sex. numb, yeah. like, and usually that, that, anybody will tell you who uses sex like that, like, most of the time, they don't feel nothing after it, like, they don't yeah. have no real connection to the sex, like, they just think that it's going to fulfill them for the present moment. It's like a band-aid. And you know, I've never been a heavy drinker or smoker. That kind of always has been my thing. Right. Exactly. Shout like, out to that oh, black woman for yeah. making that connection with you. Oh, yeah. She snapped. Shout, shout, shout out to her. I, um, no, nah, so, like he said, that, that started early. That exactly. started at 11, mm-hmm. being in the house by itself. Man started early, the age of my, my nieces. I try to, you know, <clears throat> latch on to them early, or at least when they're in their preteens, when they're 12, mm-hmm. 13 years old, just, I went... The first time they tell me, oh, you know, I got a crush. One of my nieces said crush on fucking NBA young boy. <laughs> I was heartbroken. I immediately, he even, beat bitches. No, but, just play. <laughs> but I'm saying even in conversations like that, you can act like, you can ask like, what do you find appealing about this and, person? And, and, what and do you it, like about them? That's like, what our drives be about. That's uh-huh. what our drives be about. And, and, and so uh, they opened up. Now, what about the abuse part? 
because sexual abuse has been in my family. Mm-hmm. It's been in a lot of families. It's, it's common, uh, uh, more common than people think. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, women who it's more common for women to get sexually abused. It goes un- unspoken. Right. You know, they 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 bottle it up at a young age and then later on down the line. So um, I was watching another podcast and this podcast was like it was big on sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. And some, but something stuck with me because the male on there, he made a comment saying if a girl is like just into all these like very freaky and rough and things like that. He was like, I think that's a girl that has had something traumatic happen to her sexually in the past. Now I don't agree with him. However, his argument at the moment was valid because the two girls who has the podcast, something happened to them. Mm-hmm. The young ladies previously on the podcast all admitted to something happening to them. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like, sexual abuse like what have you seen was like how does it affect women more so women it happens to men but as we all know it's more so common with young women how does it affect them just growing up and at least being able to even open up to to male uh partners yeah so there are a few different effects of uh childhood sexual abuse now the example that you gave as far as, like, kind of what being into, like, BDSM and, like, rough play and things of that nature, yeah. I've never actually heard of that being a correlation to sexual mm-hmm. abuse. I think the issue is the fact that, like, I don't know the numbers, but probably, what, three and five women probably have been sexually abused. And if one of them... Three and five? Don't quote me on that. I feel like the numbers are around there. Somebody can Google it, but... I, I, don't quote me on that. I just feel like if I'm in a room with 10 of my friends, there's probably at least five of us who've had some form of sexual assault or abuse. Shit. And that's not to – something else I want to point out before I go to, to what you asked is, like, that's not to say that that's all, like, a violent rape because I think sometimes we hear – I, I talk about that a lot. Nah, like we, yeah, hear, I, we hear assault or sexual abuse, and we immediately think, like, the worst, more severe. But, like – there are fine like situations where a fine line was crossed where now this man has stepped into sexually assaulting exactly. or abusing me. Yeah. Um, but back to your question, I think what I typically, what you typically see, um, a lot of women become hypersexual. So once they feel like you've taken that power from them, now this is their way of going and having sex to to re, have some type of regain of that to power. That yeah, so a lot a lot of people that t- that um a lot of women who've been sexually abused will tell you that they went through a period of time where they were probably hypersexual mm-hmm. or they're still exploring this in adulthood. Um because again there's a it's a way for you to have control or um that was how especially if it happened within the family like sometimes that's how your abuser gets you to translate love. So you go around feeling like, look, looking for love and attention to validate you being a good person, to validate you being good enough by people having sex with you. Shit. Okay, so, and we've, men- we've mentioned this before, but um, me and Terry have come across women who, that was like they thing, kind of like rough, almost rapey type of sex. Mm. And we never, I mean, looking back on it now it's like damn it's like what was what what was the connection there yeah but it could it could very well just be something traumatic and them just reaching out 
or not even reaching out, but them just acting on it, like you said, taking the power back, taking the control back. Yeah, that's back just forth. their way of kind of. So as a man, right? Mm-hmm. As a man, one, if you come across a woman that has it, like, how do you, you know, how would you deal with that if you come across one? Because, you know, let's just say you have a partner, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to be spontaneous, and you want to be. You know, you want to be rough or whatever the case may be. But then you find out that this young lady has had, you know, this traumatic past Mm -hmm. or that she's went through something. As a man, like, how can we know better, like, what to do or how to, you know, how to to react to that? Like, So I think um, making sure women know that they can talk to you about what they do and don't like about sex is important. And Mm -hmm. even if they don't initiate that conversation, having that conversation with them, because some women, because some women are naturally like reserved when it comes to talking about sex. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that number one, she has to feel safe with you in some form or else you'll never know. Um, you'll, You'll never know what she's been through. There are a lot of women who purposely withhold their, past traumatic uh, sexual abuse experiences because it's been used against him or the man has expressed it like he don't now I don't want to touch you. It wasn't believed or, or something. Not necessarily not believed, but kind of like a sense of like disgust. Like I've had clients who, who've been gang raped and said that like when they told their, their partner or a partner that they've had, like the partner didn't want to have nothing to do with them. So they, they learn to keep that stuff to themselves because they're worried about being judged. They're worried about... Um, what you're going to think of them after the fact. So number one is providing the safe space for them to feel comfortable sharing any of that type of information with you. Mm -hmm. Number two is being very um, conscious of what they indicate as their triggers. So like I said, like I've a similar client. She says like, she doesn't like it when men like caress her arms slowly because whatever that is, is is, 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 is triggering triggering. and is reminiscent of her abuser. Mm -hmm. So that's something she's had to learn to communicate. Like, you know, you can squeeze my butt, you can like squeeze on me, but don't sit and caress me. And just kind of being mindful and respect respecting those things that they are sharing. But that's the 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 biggest piece is mm-hmm. just them feeling comfortable enough to tell you like, I like this, I don't like this. Even if they don't tell you why, even mm-hmm. if they don't go into the the details of their abuse, um, you, you as a man, as any man wants to be proactive about, if you know that you and a woman are probably about to be sexually active, you want to be proactive about finding out what she enjoys and what she doesn't. Understood. Because when you don't have I, those conversations, even when there is no trauma, like, you kind of go into the sex blinded. Whereas, like, if you have a little, y'all have a little sex talk before the end, you kind of feel a little bit more prepared to go in there to please the person versus, like, you might yeah, just, so, just trying so, shit. So are we guilty of like not saying are we, because it I mean the the facts speak for themselves. People just don't talk, like have actual talks, like actual conversations before they get before before they 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 sexually active and they spending time together. You don't even really know that person. Oh. Like you're like like you you like think about um, how fast 
people have sex nowadays. Think about how fast in the past you or Terry had probably had sex with somebody whoa, 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 and didn't whoa, even whoa. know the girl middle name. Like, you get what I'm saying? Right. So, like, yes, there are conversations that people don't have because, and that's why. Well, we, not even just sex, just in general. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. There are a lot of necessary conversations yeah. that don't have, and this is a whole, like, we could go on forever about the fact that, like, we end up that's why I se- sexually attached to people who we don't even know. And I'm, I'm not excluded. I've definitely had strong sexual chemistry with a man had sex with him sex was bomb but then there are things about this person as i'm spending more time with them that i don't like yeah very true so now i'm conflicted you know so but and you already went that far now now, i'm sexually attached to you you get what i'm saying so exactly Uh, and it kind of plays into brother roseland's topic that he'll have on thursday just having that attachment already, but now y'all not there uh, physically. Mental, y'all don't have it. Yeah, yeah y'all don't have y'all. that mental or emotional connection yet. So yeah. again, like there, there are conversations that people aren't having mm-hmm. prior to having sex. And again, if you're not even talking about the real stuff, then why on earth would I feel comfortable telling you about my sexual trauma? Very true. I uh, so I want to take a quick moment, man. I want to tell everybody to shut a laugh. I want everybody to. Forever.us, we got the merch. These are coming in soon. Shout out to the uh, five or so individuals who pre-ordered them. They're going to sell out real fast, so y'all need to hurry up and go Chicago ahead. Chicago Heroes. Yeah, yeah. See it. You see it? Yeah, that's forever, F-A-E-V-A dot U-S. Can I F-A-E-V-A dot us. Who is, who is that on the left? At the bottom. Left, bottom, that's Louie. No, not Louie. Oh. I'm sorry, my left. Bump J. Bump? You I'm don't sorry. know Bump, Bump J? Oh, how old is she? Wait I mean, a minute. <laughs> talking about wait, wait, just wait whoa, a whoa, 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 whoa! I wasn't whoa. A, a big rap listener. Like I know who he is, but I wouldn't. I couldn't. I clearly couldn't recognize him. Clearly. Hey, uh, what was it? What, what, what was it? Uh, Live two thousand and six. Man, he was on Live soundtrack. Man, that moving around. Like pots and pans. And exactly I don't think I knew that. he was from Chicago. Oh, wow. whoa. Whoa, I think that's worse than not knowing him. Sorry. You knew him and didn't even know that he was first. Okay, all right. That's that's a conversation. That's a conversation for another day. Uh follow FC Network business page. That's FC Network. Sunday, we had all the brother knows they went crazy. Yesterday we had bad podcast, beautiful, ambitious, and dope. Shout out to Jarrell. Uh I said Jarrell. Shout out to Darrell and Angelica, the two uh hosts on that show. I'm FCNS, Forever Shot, Never Shot. Tomorrow, we're going to have a man's perspective, Reggie Jones. And then Thursday, story time with Brother Roseland, a.k.a. Terry Roseland. Uh, but when it, so. Look, let me plug myself. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, okay. you know, we, 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 yeah. Hold on, let me turn you, let me turn you, let me turn your mic up. Go ahead. Make sure y'all subscribe to me on YouTube, keeping it a buck with B, okay? She be going crazy in that Jeep. I don't even really talk in the Jeep like that no more. But Ooh. I do go, I do go crazy in the Jeep. Why uh, you ain't in it? The Jeep was authentic. It was. I, was. I try to go. I try to get back to my roots with the, the Jeep every the, so now. The Jeep was as if like you just woke up and wanted to rant and just went crazy. Yeah. The and Jeep anybody interested in therapeutic services, whether they be therapy, life coaching, couples mediation, uh, having me facilitate a group workshop, please follow my business Instagram at be the change ts. And you can also find me on Facebook at Be The Change Therapeutic Services. I like what you did to Be yeah. The Change. Keeping it a buck with B, it's all about the brand. I like what she did, though. That's right. All right, so it, so it is about, like, traumatic childhoods. Name name some of the abuse, because I think, I think a lot of people, it, 
surprisingly, a lot of people think there's only like what three yeah. real levels of abuse. You got physical, you got sexual, and then verbal, right? right? Like, th- th- like, like, like th- those are the main things that people know of. Mm-hmm. Just being a therapist, <laughs> like, what, what's some some wild shit that you've come across that somebody experienced as a child and be like, damn, like, you know, that's that's new. Hmm. I think at this point, um, there isn't much that I'm surprised by when mm-hmm. it comes to people talking about um, their childhood abuse. I think that people just don't really understand how severe it gets and like what type of conditions some of these kids are in. That's one of the things I I'm appreciating Facts. about e-learning. Like we heard about that um, young girl who was called giving fellatio to yes, somebody visibly e-learning. older than her yes. on e-learning. So like e-learning is really exposing a lot of like what these children are unfortunately dealing with in mm-hmm. their homes that we have no clue about. Um, and so I think it's instances like that where like you would like, you wouldn't purposely think that, you know, somebody could be, that cruel, mm-hmm. but there are people with very, um, very sad stories. Like I remember, um, a specific story a while ago at a treatment center that I was working at with a, a lady who, uh, she was older, but this was her, her history. Like she grew, I think she got pregnant by a black man. Um, her dad trapped her in a basement for, the duration of the pregnancy and took her baby and she didn't, she never knew what happened to that, to that baby. Wait, how does that happen? Like, so, so I, I she was white. She was white. She was right. white, got pregnant by a black man. Right. Nine months trapped or trapped. Dad in held the, her yeah, in. Captive, cap, yeah, captive, captive, and then took the baby and then she never saw that baby again. Pretty much. Wow. Okay. And again, it's like one of, one of the things, that people have to remember is like when your abuse starts in childhood, it mm. doesn't get left in childhood most times. Exactly. Like most times Facts. all you do is just become attracted to abuse in different forms. So again, like we see situations where I've had women who stay in emotionally abusive relationships because they're not being hit. Well, I'm, well he ain't hit me. So it's not that bad, but and being hit is what they were used to, or right, or, or what they've seen, like yeah. oh, because I've been physically abused, not emotional. Emotional abuse, abuse don't, ain't that don't bad. Don't seem that yeah. bad, you know what I mean? But yeah. at the expense of what your, yourself, your self esteem, your self confidence, your self worth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't, it it does, it never stops at childhood, you know. Unfortunately, like there are people who will tell you that they're they have come to understand and heal from what happened to them just based on like them being able to kind of reframe their experience, understanding that it wasn't their fault, understanding that um, they were helpless in the situation, mm-hmm. understanding that like they don't want that situation to define them. Like people kind of, some people come to this and realize it's on, on their own without ever going to talk to a professional about it. You know, Absolutely. it just becomes a part of like us, especially as black people, we are very emotionally resilient. So we figure especially out, especially black people, we need to stop that. Yeah. But we, the thing is that sometimes we were, we wear that resiliency, like it's a badge of honor, not realizing that like we shouldn't have had to be that way. We have spaces where we can sit and heal from this type of stuff. We don't mm-hmm. have to just sit there and be like, oh, will it happen? It is what it is. Because we got that bad. Yes, very true. I um, So two more questions, and you can a- answer them back to back. Uh, so the first question, 
you've had child childhood trauma, right? Whatever form of trauma it may be. Um, now you're a parent. What's the best way to go about now kind of changing the history mm-hmm. now that you have kids? And then the second question is very common that black men, black men don't deal with any issues that they have going on. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's kind of a stigma that a black man shouldn't go to therapy, right? you know? So one, how to do better with your kids now. And then two, advice for black men who may need to reach out and get therapy and how to go about it. Um, so I think people who are parents who've dealt with childhood sexual abuse, they have to number one, make sure that they, um, address their stuff like that. They're not burying it, that they're not trying to repress. So it sharing or, it with your act kids. Like, no, not necessarily sharing it with them. I'm saying for their own uh, personal address being, their own personal making therapy. sure you check you, you you've dealt with your own stuff like and i feel Facts. like that across the board with parenting in general like you need to make sure you dealt with all your own stuff so that you're not projecting onto your kids because sometimes what happens is like parents become like those those mothers become very paranoid and strict and won't allow their kids to kind of go out and experience stuff because they're so worried about somebody mm. taking advantage of them yes. so it's like understanding that Yes, we have a duty to protect our kids because a lot of these people, when they were kids, didn't feel protected. They didn't feel like anybody cared or looked out for them or or protected them the way that they should have been protected. Mm-hmm. So, number one, like doing, understanding that some things are just out of your control. You know, like I'm sure some people have parents who wish they could have prevented what took place and they exactly. and they couldn't. You know, exactly. so um, not looking to place blame, but also understanding like. As a parent, you can't control everything, but also knowing like you're you're doing what you can to make sure that um, your child feels comfortable and they feel safe coming to you to mm-hmm. talk to you about anything that seems suspicious or not okay. You know, talking to your kids about their body and making sure they know like. If someone touches you here, you come and talk to me exactly. or you don't let nobody do this. Or you teaching kids how to protect their physical space. space. Yep. Because I've seen, you know, there 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 are a lot of people who can probably relate to the idea that, you know, family Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, some a family member asked for a hug and you didn't really want to hug them, but your mama or somebody was like, Girl, go get him a hug. Exactly. I saw and you him. never know. You know, Mm -hmm. why you don't like a part of that is teaching kids that they have autonomy over their own bodies and Mm -hmm. that they don't have to touch or hug or interact physically with anybody that they don't feel comfortable interacting with physically. That's that's, that's really important, you know. So, anytime, even toddlers, like I've worked in daycares and I'm like, oh, can I have a hug before you leave? If they be like, no, I'll be like, okay, cool, you know, like that's how that's you, you teach them to learn, like, this is my body, I get to decide who, who has access to me and in what way and who doesn't. Um, so that's one thing I would say about the whole parenting thing, as far as brick, brick hole, y'all, I do what I can. Um, but as far as like with black men, um, I, I like as much as black men like will joke about R. Kelly. Um, I think we have to remember that like R. Kelly was a victim of abuse and in no way is that a cop out for what he's done. I truly I'm somebody that believes R. Kelly needs to be held responsible for mm-hmm. the things that he's done. Um, but we see how 
when you don't deal with your stuff, what it could lead to, what it looks like, and what it could lead to, or what it manifests as. Like Terry mentioned, like hyper, I said, mentioned hypersexuality for women. It can be the same thing for men, or this idea that like you have to um, overcompensate your masculine masculinity because somebody took advantage of you. Um, so, to the men out there who who have this type of abuse, um, whether it be sexual, physical, emotional. Um, as a part of their their childhood and their history, number one, like we need to get you all to a place of recognizing that it is in fact abuse. Like sometimes we we minimize and we deny what something is because we don't want to have to to confront it. We don't mm-hmm. want to have to deal with what comes. Like if I if I admit that I was sexually abused, now what? Like what do I do with that? That's exactly. a lot. To, that's a lot to carry. So please, I just I just when I that's why I want y'all to definitely subscribe to me. I just did. Um, a video that'll be coming to my channel in about two weeks with a black male therapist, and he hasn't had an easy life at all. But he's come to like be. Let me, let me turn your mic up. Go ahead. He's shout, come shout to yourself be. Uh, he's yes, keeping it a buck would be on YouTube. We're definitely going to be having um that. That's going to be a very great, interesting conversation for my black men mm-hmm. to tune into because I have a black man who's kind of like changed his life around and learned to be more emotionally intelligent and understand the things that he's been through mm-hmm. um, and how they've affected him and the importance of him learning to to deal with that because all it does, it comes out as addiction. It comes out, and that's addiction in any forms, whether that be whatever your vice of choice is, alcohol, weed, pills, gambling, sex, um, you know, all, all those types, it comes out like that. It comes out in your relationships, why you won't let nobody get close to you, how you attach yourself to people, mm-hmm. how you let people in or you push them out of your life. Like, it shows up. So don't be so caught up in denial and believing that you are the only person that can. Well, number one, yes, you are the only person that can fix you, but there are people who are around who are trained to learn to, to to help you navigate along the way that to, to help you navigate that stuff so it doesn't become something that you that's just hanging in the back of your head because that's the thing you never forget never yeah you don't forget you know you can repress you could try to repress but it comes up so whether it be now whether it be 10 years from now whether it be 20 years from now you're all when you don't deal with stuff mm-hmm. it shows up in your life it's absolutely absolutely So to all the black men out there, please, I hope you took that, you know, into consideration and uh, listen to what she was saying, as well as all the parents out there to listen to what she was saying. If y'all don't know, we are drinking FC Network wine. So we don't shout out what we drinking unless it's black owned. Period. So it's either FC Network wine, tequila, (laughs) whatever the case may be. Uh, So I definitely have some like closing segments that I like to close with. Um, So highlights and lowlights. What are some highlights that you uh, see or just in general around you going on right now? Lowlights, they don't necessarily have to be personal, but just something you see that can be improved. And I'll let you go first. So highlights and lowlights. As far as like me, like what I mean. I mean, highlights can be just things you see, you know, like, hey, I like the fact that this yeah, is. Shout, shout out to these black men talking about going to therapy. Because I just, like I said, I just. I, I just wrapped up a conversation with a black male therapist, and I, we talked about the fact that the only way we continue to destigmatize mental health and destigmatize therapy is by black men talking about their experience, Absolutely. by normalizing it, by letting y'all know, like, y'all don't come and crown on our couch. Like, you can, you, 
You found a right there, but y'all sit there and talk about basketball. Y'all talk about hoes. Y'all talk about you know whatever. You talk, like, you talk about cool. everything, but you yeah. know they they gonna figure out the problem. Yeah, but, you can talk but we about but everything. we figure out, we help you figure out how to navigate that stuff. So I encourage the black men who are doing this process or thinking about going to therapy to just talk about it whenever you can, because all it, all it is is telling your brothers that like it's okay. You know, and the more we get we get our black men in therapy, the more we can start kind of changing the dynamic of all of these generations that are coming after us. Get y'all ass on that couch. All right, well, some low lights. It could be anything. I know. I'm tired of I'm tired of the media and getting online and seeing people dying. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, yeah. Like, I try to. I have an. I hear uh, enough people. Young I, man I, in Philadelphia, yes, I think, was most yes, recent. Apologies, yes. I don't it know just his name. Feels like it's something all the time mm-hmm. and like i already that's why i don't I, I don't watch news a lot like what i get is really just from social media and i keep it at a bare minimum like some like videos and things of that nature i personally don't watch like i have to sit and listen to other people's stuff all the time i don't want to have to sit and like really sit with all like Absolutely. i acknowledge what's going on in the world i feel for it but i also don't over indulge in it either because what does that do for my mental health and Absolutely. i encourage everybody else to think about you know limiting that stuff as well Absolutely. My uh my highlight is I got a job. Period. Yeah. Congratulations. I got a job. I don't know if I'm too happy. I mean I mean at this point, you know Working I, right now for everybody is just kinda like a blast. Ab- absolutely. So I'm 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 is definitely it more, is it more money? Oh yeah. Oh, that's so a, that's yeah, a positive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Let's yeah, get I'm this good. bag. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm making a little money, but you know, I I uh got a job, but the plan is for it to help me build and help me to get all the dreams and, and other business that endeavors that, that I wanted to uh, that I wanted that I wanted to get done. Uh and then low lights. Low lights is so is we everybody going back and forth about the the politics, right? Mm-hmm. Who we gonna vote for and the debate and all those things and I get it. I get that Biden is is not nec- not not the prime candidate, you know, for us. First of all, nobody is for us, but I get that. that the I, of two I, get, I get why you wouldn't want to vote for Biden. I would rather you just not vote. <laughs> I really do not like seeing our people advocate for Trump. So that's, you don't believe that not voting is voting for Trump? Because that's what people say. Uh, that's a good point. However, I'm not going to force anybody to yeah, vote. To do it, I'm right. not going to tell you, I'm not going to force you to say, no, you need to vote for this person because your people voting for them. Mm-hmm. I never say that. Mm-hmm. However, hell no, don't vote for Trump. So, and don't advocate that. Don't. Yeah, that, and that's what's sad. That, there's, there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, shout out to, um, brother Rosen. He put me on this called the, uh, social pandemic. Dilemma. Social dilemma. dilemma. Yeah. It's called the social dilemma. And it, it, it shows that how the negative influence of social media and mm-hmm. politics can be pushed and in the wrong way in all the negative ways. So all the people that's, you know, whether you're on social media and you advocating for Trump, all y'all crazy for voting for Biden. Trump didn't did this. Trump didn't did that. Just, just I would rather you just say I wouldn't vote for Biden and leave it at that. Yeah. Do not advocate for that motherfucker Trump. And I would I rather like you just not vote. I, I act like he don't exist. Exactly. I, I mean, really that, that's like, the best Even way. when he pop up on, like, like Shade Room posts re- like his, his tweets and stuff. That's too much information. That's too much exposure. The four years he's been in office. That's too much exposure. I don't pay attention to nothing that man does. Like, it's been like a bliss. 
I try to act oblivious. Yeah, it's, that that's that's, that's too much exposure. And uh, Chicago shit, we shut down again. Uh, Chief Lightfoot, I like to call her uh, Chief Lightfoot. <laughs> uh, she just she just seemed like she was one of the most. She did she did that shit on she, purpose right before <laughs> Halloween because she knew we was finna get bucked. Yeah, she knew it was. She, she knew, knew it was she knew shit go was going. Uh, I like what you did there. Uh, get bucked. Yeah, you, you, I ain't even do that on purpose. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just nice. I like it. That's black. But uh, got that splat. But no, so we shut down again, and um, I think we definitely need to take this one a lot more serious. Um, the numbers didn't spike for no reason. I I like Lightfoot. I don't think she got a good team behind her, and because she not crooked, and because she not as gullible as other Illinois and Chicago leaders that we've had, they not fucking with her, and they not giving her any support. That's my opinion. Um, but but I also think like the whole idea of shutting down, like. What are you gonna do about the people that are out of work again? That's now, why they open shit like because they would have had that. Like, what do you do? And that's that's something that needs to be figured out. And that's why I'm saying I hope I wish she would have would have a better team behind her to help her figure that Had out. Had we let let this last it a little longer, that lockdown, we wouldn't even be here. Yeah, and so I the first one, if the first one, yeah, would that's have lasted what I'm saying. Like, longer. if exactly. I didn't expect for things to open back up as quickly as they did, Ex- absolutely. So yeah, um. Uh, Chicago is shut down again. Uh, I would just say, you know, my my thoughts are out there to all the people that's struggling and yeah, the, the yeah. individuals that about to be can't a work winter. can't work from home but still have to be at home. I mean, can't work from home but yet have to be at home for the e learning. Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of yourselves and uh, yeah, we I, hopefully the leaders figure it out and find a way to get those people, you know, to be able to still work and make some money during the winter as well as during this pandemic. Um, and then lastly, uh, and then lastly, uh, hood motivation. Y'all heard it here. Therapy. Dealing with the issues that you've experienced at a young age, tackling it early on, understanding that, you know, it's not something that you should keep bottled up because, there's going to be a situation where it overflows. There's going to be a situation where it's going to spill. Um, if you keep filling up a glass of water, eventually it's going to overflow. So black men understand that therapy is not a bad thing, opening up and understanding that it's something that you you can have to help you deal with those things. And to just black people in general, it helps you raise your kids better and helps you be able to control the things that they may go through and the things that they may experience. So I want to thank you for being my guest at the last minute. What I text you at like two o'clock today? I know I'm clutch queen. Appreciate she legit. Me. She legit. Shout out! Shout, shout out to Britt for being a uh, clutch. So shed a laugh. Uh, forever dot us. F a e v a dot us. You could get the merch, y'all. Did, hey, this shirt nice. It's a little tight, but it's nice. Terry, you missed my birthday, so I'm gonna need one. Oh yeah. yeah, Terry, so, you missed so, her birthday, so she's gonna need one of these. Yeah, luckily they're not out yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I got you though. But I yeah, so uh, those will be out by the end of the week. These though. will de- uh, we know is some people who got these on pre-order, so everybody else, you better better hurry up and get it in as soon as they uh, That's the we're gonna sample. yeah, we're gonna update the uh website. This is a sample, you know, we got them coming and looking a little better than this, but I liked it, so I went on ahead through it on. 
Look, real quick, since we're doing black on, look, let me shout out yeah. my little brother real quick. This is his Ooh, t-shirt. Like, he, okay. Well, he has a whole line. Like, he's a, he does stitch work, but this is one of his t-shirts. Uh, Go ahead, read it off. By Stan R. Look him up. He that nigga. He, he, he said, if it. this shit was easy, everyone, everyone would be doing, doing it. it. Facts. And that's on period. That, that's on period. <laughs> but, uh, again, FCNS, Forever Shy, Never Shy podcast. Uh, don't forget, go back and listen to All the Brother Knows Sunday. Go back and listen to Bad, uh, Beautiful, Ambitious, and Dope. I'm Tuesdays. Wednesdays is Reggie Jones with A Man's Perspective. Thursdays is Brother Rosalind, Terry Rosalind with Storytime with Terry. And thank you all for listening. Yo. And now Terry got to get up and go all the way to the phone and turn the laugh off. Shut a laugh. Make it a feature where you can end the life.